Bibles and turn with me tonight to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. I want to preach a message entitled, Discouraged Because of the Way. Discouraged because of the way. It doesn't take much to get you and I discouraged. Um, One minute we can be high up on the roller coaster and just a few minutes later we can be down in the dumps. Uh, Discouragement comes to us all. We all get discouraged in the way. And earlier in the year, as I was having my devotions, the Lord just pointed this verse out to me uh, in this passage that we're going to read. And I hope that it will be a blessing to you and that it will encourage you the way it encouraged me. Numbers chapter 21. As you're getting there in your Bibles, um, people have unique ways of dealing with discouragement and trying to overcome depression. There was a lady whose husband died, and she found herself extremely lonely. And she was looking for something that would help her overcome her discouragement, so she took a trip to the pet store in hopes of finding something that would comfort her in her loneliness. The pet store clerk introduced her to a parakeet that talked. And the widow thought it would be a wonderful idea to have somebody that she could talk to that would talk back to her. So she bought the bird and took it home, and she started talking to the bird, but the bird would not talk back. She talked and talked and talked, and the bird was just silent. This went on for a week, and naturally she was confused about what was going on, so she decided to go back to the pet store to get some answers. She said, the parakeet you sold me is not talking. The clerk said, oh, you forgot the mirror. You've got to have the mirror because the bird has to see itself in the mirror, and that will encourage the bird to talk. So she bought the mirror and placed it in the cage. She made sure that the bird could see itself. And for another week, she talked to the parakeet. And still the bird would not talk. She went back to the pet store. This bird will not talk. Oh, said the clerk, you've got to get the swing. The parakeet's got to be on the swing, swing itself while looking in the mirror in order for it to talk. So she bought the swing. And she put the bird on the swing and started talking to the parakeet. Another week went by. The bird would not talk. This dumb parakeet you sold me is not working. Oh, there's one more thing that you forgot to get. The ladder, the ladder, the bird's got to walk up and down the ladder. And that movement of walking up and down the ladder will cause the bird to talk. So hesitantly, she bought the ladder and another week went by. The parakeet didn't say a word. At the end of that week, the parakeet fell over dead and the widow was discouraged. I'm going to finish that little story at the end of my message And hopefully I'll drive home a point. But perhaps tonight your way is hard. You're discouraged. Perhaps you've lost the song of your soul. And you're looking for something to encourage you. One man said that encouragement is like peanut butter on bread. If you spread enough of it around, it helps things to stick together. And tonight I want to preach what I hope will end up being an encouraging message Kind of like a peanut butter on your bread. 
Uh, won't be cotton candy. I hope you'll squirm a little bit, but at the end, I hope you'll be blessed by the message. Please look at the passage with me, starting in verse number four. The Bible says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. That verse grabbed me. It grabbed me. I, I'm sure I've read it. I'm sure I've heard messages on it throughout the years. But never like it grabbed me earlier this year. The people were discouraged because of the way. Verse 5, And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loathes this, this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. I remember being discouraged in college. Real discouraged. Why? Um, you've got to understand a little bit of my background. I did not do well in school and got kicked out of several schools. And I was scared to death to come here. I really was. I was excited. I was looking forward to what was ahead, but I was scared to death. And then I, I faced all those classes. Uh, and this place has high academics, I'll tell you what. And, 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 those, and then the demerits. And, and I wasn't raised the way that it's preached from this pulpit, that you ought to raise your kids. And so I, I struggled. And finances. Nor was I taught how to handle money. And, 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 and the school bill and, and all of these things. I, I tell you what, to a bus kid coming from Chicago... The devil started to have a field day with my mind. And listen, I was discouraged because of the way. Ask yourself that tonight. Are you discouraged because of the way? As a pastor preaches to his people, uh, and again, I know this from preaching to my people, I can see it on their faces. I can see the, 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 the expression on their faces and I can watch them for a little while and I can know they're down. It's on their face. I want you to see some things from this passage that will hopefully change that face. Not only on the outside, but in the inside where it counts. I want us to look at the complaint, the consequence, the confession, and then the covenant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to be a blessing tonight, and I pray that you would empty me of self. Let the scriptures speak. Lord, I pray that you would convict hearts. And that some people who might be discouraged because of the way would come out of that thing, Lord, victorious and ready to do exploits for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The children of Israel had to make a long march around Edom because they were not permitted to pass through their land. It's one of the things in the Bible that will make you chuckle a little bit. These were their own descendants. The word Edom means red. The Edomites were descendants of Esau, therefore they were cousins, if you will, to Israel. But they were not kind to them. 
Turn back to Numbers chapter 20, if you would. I, I want you to see this. Numbers chapter 20, verse 14. And Moses sent messengers from Kadesh unto the king of Edom, his cousin, if you will. Thus saith thy brother Israel, thou knowest all the travail that hath befallen us. How our fathers went down into Egypt, and we have dwelt in Egypt a long time, and the Egyptians vexed us and our fathers. And when we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel, and hath brought us forth out of Egypt. And behold, we are in Kadesh, a city in the uttermost of thy border. Let us pass, I pray thee, through thy country. We will not pass through the fields or through the vineyards, neither will we drink of the water of the wells. We will go by the king's highway. We will not turn to the right hand nor to the left until we have passed thy borders. All they wanted to do was just go through the land, just pass through. Verse 18, And Edom said unto him, Thou shalt not pass by me, lest, thou come, lest I come out against thee with the sword. And the children of Israel said unto him, We will go by the highway, and if I and my cattle drink of thy water, then I will pay for it. I will only, without doing anything else, go through on my feet. And he said, thou shalt not go through Edom. They were jerks here, just plain jerks. It, 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 it is irritating when you read the passage. And Edom came out against them with much people and with a strong hand. And Edom refused to give Israel passage through his border. Wherefore, Israel turned away from him. That sets the stage up for Israel becoming discouraged. All they wanted was a shortcut. All they wanted was a pass through the land. And their own people said no, and it crushed their hearts. Maybe the way was rough, and they didn't want to go the rough way, or uneven, or foul, or, or dirty. Whatever the point, whatever the reason, they were rejected. They couldn't take the shortcut they wanted. They didn't get the desired response from their family. That'll discourage us sometimes. Didn't get the desired response response from their family. All that tells me is, is that if you're looking for something to get you discouraged, you're going to find it. It comes from many places, many directions. Will you let it get you, though? Number one, I want you to see the complaint. Israel in chapter 21 should have been rejoicing. They should have been celebrating. Why? Because they had just won a battle. They had no reason to murmur. Look at verse number 1, chapter 21. And when King Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. Look at verse 3. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Horma. And then the very next verse says that they were discouraged. They had just been blessed. And they start murmuring and complaining. That's us. That's us. Our God is good to us. His mercies are new every morning. And, and when we go to Him and we say, Oh God, I've got a problem here. And He hears from heaven and, and gives us a victory. 
Why then do we get to the point of complaining? I believe the worst thing about discouragement is that it sets you up to complain and to murmur. And because of the punishments God gave them in this passage, I see a lesson. It's bad to murmur, especially against God. It's a serious thing to him to murmur and complain. Now, listen, think about your life. Think about what you say to your friends. Think about how you conduct yourself when you're away from people that you think are spiritual. And you complain and complain and complain and murmur. And the devil puts it in our minds that I've got a right to complain here. I've got a right to murmur. Look at what's happening. A lady said to her pastor, Pastor, I struggle with my tongue. Pastor, I want to put my tongue on the altar. The pastor chuckled and said, Our altar is not that big. Some of you need to stop fussing. You need to stop complaining. Be glad with your lot in life. And then when it spills over into the lost world and you fuss and complain to them, how do you witness to them then? How do you, how do you win them to the Lord? And I know that complaining is pleasing to your flesh, but it's deadly to your spirit. And though Israel had just gained a glorious victory, and even though they were about to go on conquering and to conquer, we see them opening their mouths distrustfully against God. And we do the same thing. They complain to God and Moses. Number one, they complained about their place. They were vexed that they were brought out of Egypt into the wilderness. And they said it. Why did you bring us out of Egypt into this wilderness? Egypt is a picture of worldliness, is it not? It's a picture of the world. So what were they saying? Why did you bring us out of the world? Why did you bring us out of the world into this wilderness? Listen, sometimes my life has been a wilderness. And I've been in a blur since I've been walking with God. And, 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 I, and I didn't know exactly where I was supposed to go. And I didn't know what decision he wanted to make. Now, he eventually told me as I, as I drew closer to him. But I'll take being lost in the wilderness any day rather than going back to Egypt. I want nothing to do with Egypt. I want nothing to do with the grip that sin had upon my sinful young heart. How dare we think about Egypt? The wilderness may be a challenge, but it beats Egypt any day. If you're not careful, you'll start thinking, man, I could be in the world. I could have my freedom. I could do this and that. Don't you remember what Egypt was like? Don't you remember that you weren't free, you were in bondage, and you were a slave? They complained about their place. They also complained about their provision. They wanted hostess, but they were stuck with the Kroger brand. And they complained that they didn't have bread. They had bread, but they didn't have the bread they wanted. They didn't have the water they wanted. They didn't have what other people had. They had bread enough and to spare because of manna, yet they complained that they had no bread. And then they put this little tag on the end, and our soul loathed this this light bread. What were they complaining about? Bread from heaven. 
They were complaining about what God had given to them. Man did eat angels' food to the full. And they called it light bread. They said, this is fit for children. This isn't fit for men and soldiers. I want to ask you a question. If bread from heaven won't satisfy you, what will? Look at this church. Look what God's done. Boy, the buildings are just a a visual example of it. But look at the heartbeat of what God's given you here. And people will grow up in this church hearing the same preaching that I heard in college that stirred my heart. And they'll say, hey, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this light bread. Speak carefully about what your God has provided to you. You are blessed people, Fairhaven. You're a blessed people. If God gave you this Christian school to send your children to and it doesn't thrill you, then what will? Chesterton High? What's going to get you excited if this place won't? Loathing God's bread. If God gave you that spouse, if, 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 he, if, if he or she came from God, oh, I'm mad at my husband. I'm mad at my wife. If he or she came from God, God gave it to you and you're not satisfied, who do you think you're going to be satisfied with? Christians complain about their provision when they get discouraged. I can tell when people are discouraged. I don't have enough money. I'm sick of my job. Nothing wrong with wanting a better job. As long as it doesn't take you away from God. But to say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have the perfect job. You're saying that the things God has given you are light bread. Don't complain about your manna. Appreciate it. Number two, I want you to see the consequence. When we get discouraged, you know what we ought to do? Run to God. I mean, run to him. And, I, and listen, I, I, I've seen by experience in my short time of being a Christian and, and walking with God, I've seen by experience that when you run to him, boy, he, he just, he just, he takes you in. And, and especially when you get into Psalms and read his word, and then he just draws you to himself. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. Go to him, but we shouldn't complain. There's a difference. Boy, you can go to him and you can unload, but, but there's a difference between that and complaining to your neighbor or your coworker. They should have gone to God, but they got bitter at God. We have no right. You may have little or you may have much, but you and I have no right to complain. God doesn't deserve to be the, the object of, of our hissy fit. He's God. Now, I want you to see the righteous judgment which God brought upon them for their murmuring. Look at the devastation. The Bible says that, that fiery serpents came. Chapter 21, verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Could it be that we've forgotten that God still has fiery serpents to send to people that complain? I don't want those fiery serpents. I better not murmur. I better not complain. Not only the devastation, but the death. Look at chapter 21, verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people of Israel died. They stung them to death. Now, the wilderness had these fiery serpents in them the whole time. 
But God had held them back. In Deuteronomy 8.15, the Bible says, Who led these through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents. But up until this point, God had wonderfully preserved his people from being bitten by the serpents that were in the wilderness until they murmured. And when they murmured, God released them. They were already there. It wasn't like they just sprung up. God was holding them back. Listen, there's all kinds of wickedness in this world. Praise God, He holds it back. But we start opening our mouths and complaining. He'll say, release some of those serpents. These serpents remind us that if we're not thankful for His mercies, we'll feel His judgments. Don't just be thankful at Thanksgiving. Now, the serpents are called fiery. We don't know exactly why. Maybe their color but also from the effects of their bitings. These serpents would bite and no doubt inflame the body, sending the body into a high fever and scorching the person with, with incredible thirst. Incredible thirst. Now, what was Israel complaining about? That they didn't have enough water, right? They were saying, we don't have enough water to drink. So what does God do? He makes them even thirstier. They had unjustly complained for want of water, and God punishes them with thirst that no water could quench. My mother used to say when she would get mad and start getting me with the, she used the the popcorn maker cord. And she would detach that thing from the unit and go to town with me. And, and, And listen, when I start wailing, she'd say, you better stop or I'll give you something to cry about. I'll give you something to cry about. And here's Israel crying for for water. We're thirsty, God. What's wrong with you? And God says, okay, you're thirsty? I'll show you thirst. Don't play with God. Stop your complaining. Are you an atheist? He's real. Don't let your children complain. Don't let them pout. Don't let them murmur. The Bible says many of them died. God humbled these people, making these despicable animals a plague to them. Do you remember what the animal was that was Israel's defense when they stood before Pharaoh? It was when Moses threw down his rod and it became a serpent. God saying, what was once your defense, I can turn around and make your ruin. Tread lightly. He turns them onto these unthankful, complaining people. What's even more sobering to me is that sometimes we need the fiery serpents. They make us better. If you take a piece of wax and you take a piece of meat and a piece of sand and a piece of clay and some wood shavings and you place them all under the same fire, different things would happen to those different elements. The wax would melt. The meat would start to fry. The sand would dry up. The clay would harden. The wood shavings would would burst into flames. The same is true in life. God takes all kinds of people and he'll put us under the same flames. And you say, what's the difference between this guy and that guy? What's different is the stuff they're made out of. Under the same circumstances, people react differently. And that's why Paul could say, we faint not 
and none of these things move me. But Demas would forsake him, having loved this present world. It all depends on the kind of stuff you're made of. Paul was made of the right stuff. Joseph was made of the right stuff. Oh, for some Christians tonight who will be made of the right stuff. The fiery serpents made some of them come out better. God may use fire to get the wrinkles out. What do we use an iron for? To get the wrinkles out. In order for the iron to get the wrinkles out, it's got to be hot. And a fiery trial has to be applied to that shirt or that dress, right? And as you're moving that iron along, trying to make that dress or that shirt look good so that you look good, and you notice that the iron won't get a stubborn wrinkle out, what do you do? You turn up the heat. Well, Jesus is inside of you, but he doesn't like the wrinkles outside of you. And when he looks at our lives and he says, there's a wrinkle, there's something I don't like. And he's trying to work that thing out and it's not working. He'll just turn up the heat. Turn up the heat. Now, if you insist on wearing a wrinkled life, he'll say, well, the heat's not enough. Let me turn it up some more. He'll do that as long as is necessary to produce a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Israel's consequence was fire. And then third, to me it gets exciting here because we have the confession. Their repentance and supplication to God. Look at chapter 21, verse number 7. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Notice they didn't pray themselves. They probably didn't think that they were worthy to be heard. But this is a glorious part because now they're getting right. And you and I, when we're discouraged because of the way, and and we maybe start to complain, and so God's got to turn up the heat, you say, then what's good about that? You can get right. You can fix the problem. You can confess your fault. You can confess your rebellion. They were particular in their confession. Listen, they, they were specific. We have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Notice, when you're, when you're disgruntled against God, you know what you're probably going to start speaking against? Who you're probably going to start speaking against? God's man. God's man. In some way or another. Give in to God. Stop fighting him. How, how many times has God got to prove to us knuckleheaded people that he's not one to be trifled with? He's God. The rebellion. And then the request. They begged for the prayers of Moses. Their tone changed because the heat was turned up. They were quarreling with Moses, and now they considered him their friend and said, pray for us. Moses, to show that he was willing to forgive them, prays for them. I I don't like Motel 6, but I, I like the slogan, we'll leave the light on for you. Moses' light of forgiveness was on. He he didn't, listen, he forgave them and prayed for them. You ought to always be ready to forgive. And, And that might be one reason why you're discouraged, because you're holding something against someone and you won't let it go. Get right with God there. And then I want you to see the covenant. The covenant. God didn't leave them in that situation. He made them look up. He made them look up. And that was what the whole pole experience was. God saying, look up, look to me. 
Look at Numbers chapter 21, verse 8. And the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent. God ordered Moses to make a representation of a fiery serpent, which he did in brass. And then look at the position. The Bible says in verse 8, and he set it upon the pole. And because it was on a very long pole, it could be seen anywhere in the camp. Anyone in the camp that would look up would see it. Verse number 8, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten... When he looketh upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Everyone that was stung was healed by looking at the serpent of brass. Now the people said, pray God that he take away the serpents. God didn't take away the serpents. He cured them that had been bitten. They were discouraged, they were defeated, they were devastated, and they were dying. And the remedy was, look up! Look up! Are you discouraged tonight? Look up! Look up! Don't look to some soap opera! Don't look to cigarettes! Don't look to booze! Your co-workers! Movies! Self! Or particularly some preacher. Look up. Look to God. He knows how to come and heal and help. And he'll use his word in your life tonight. If you're down, don't look to other people. Don't be spiritually self-employed. When somebody's self-employed, there's, there's benefits, but there's also some, you give up some benefits in a sense. Why? Because everything's on you. You've got to cover your own benefits. You've got to pay your own insurance. You've, you've got to rely. So you've got to bear the whole burden. I think sometimes we become spiritually self-employed. I've got to bear this thing. I've got to do it. I've got to make it happen. It, 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 look to God! Don't you believe in Him? God is your cure. And He's high and lifted up and ready to hear you. Verse 9, And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. At the end of the verse, it says, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Listen, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But God says, I want to give you an abundant life. Don't you want that? Look up. Look up. When those Israelites started to recover. Listen, when they looked at that pole and started to recover, what do you think happened? They were encouraged. How big of a deal do you think the Edomite thing was to them then? No, it was nothing to them. What changed? They looked up. Now, I asked myself when I was reading this passage, what if they had skipped the complaining step and had just looked up? The gospel is also in this story. The Bible tells us that Jesus, he said, I'll be lifted up and I'll draw all men unto myself so that the Son of Man must be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Look up. That woman whose husband died wanted something that would help her in her loneliness. So she went and got a bird. And the bird would not talk. So she got a mirror like she was told to by the clerk. The bird would not talk. So she bought a swing. The bird would not talk. She was told to get a ladder. And the bird would not talk. 
Another week went by. The parakeet didn't say a word. And then at the end of the week, the parakeet fell over dead. I can't believe this bird died. The clerk said, I'm sorry, ma'am. Did the bird say anything before he died? Yeah, as he was falling dead, he looked up. And with one eye open, he said, don't they sell any food at that pet store? For week after week, that lady had been grabbing for the wrong stuff. And I'm serious. There's Christians that are in this meeting tonight. If the truth be told, you're grabbing for everything except what you need. Get what you need. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I started the message by asking you, are are you down? Are you discouraged? Discouraged because of the way. Boy, if that's you, go to God. Let's stand to our feet. With our heads bowed and eyes closed. If God spoke to your heart in the message and you're discouraged, I'm going to pray. But when I'm done praying, you know what the altar's for. You know what the altar's for. Father, thank you tonight for the Bible and how it it, it just shows us what we are. The mirror of your word has revealed to us tonight what we are in your sight. And Lord, we are tempted to get down on Israel. And Lord, we do know that they made these big mistakes. But Lord, help us not to look past the fact that we're like Israel in many ways. Lord, when we get down, I pray that we'd look up. Bless the invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.